Man, it's great to have you here. It's great to be worshiping with you. And uh, man, we're in the second week of a series. And uh, we're looking at being on fire as we launch this new calendar year, 2016, on fire. This is the third in a three-part series, right? We started with, who am I in Christ? What does that mean? And then we looked at, so all the benefits and glories that there are in knowing him and being with him. But then how come there's times where I don't experience that and it doesn't feel like that and I'm coming up short on that and I'm wrestling with myself in that? Right? And we looked at that series called Toxic and the quadrants of our heart and the sin that needs to change and Lord, what needs to go? And now we're looking at, okay, Lord, now I get it. I get where you're headed and I get what needs to go and how do I get rid of this? As I'm constantly struggling with this sin, it seems like there's times where it just won't change. I, I don't get it and what do I need to go after differently? The transformation might occur. That's what this series is all about. Real, lasting change. And all of God's people said, and that's where we're headed. And uh, so, maybe you remember back to those days in school, junior high or high school. Maybe you're in junior high or high school right now. Where you walk up to get some of the food from the cafeteria. And there's a plate of jello sitting there. And it's sort of shimmering and wobbling and nobody seems to be selecting it. And as you reach up to pick the jello up and pull it down, there are things floating in the jello. Do you remember this? Did they do that at your school? Where like Thursday was jello day and they took Monday through Wednesday and just scraped it in there? <laughs> and so like you're picking up this jello and you're trying to figure out what's in it and you're eating it and there's like hard carrots. And there's soft grapes, right? Should you put vegetables and fruit in jello? And at the same time, right? Is that, that seems completely inappropriate. I still have a hard time eating jello today from some of my high school jello experiences. And the, the catch is as you sit there, you take a knife and a fork and you're eating your jello and you're like cutting around whatever, flicking it out, <laughs> trying to continue eating it. And right, just so you know, a lot of us treat transformation a lot like that, where we pick up our life like the jello and we try to reach in and just cut out that thing we think doesn't belong and flick it out. And uh, here's the problem that's not actually what sin is like in our life, right? Sin is much more like this when they're making the jello and they pour it in and it's sitting fluid in the bowl, you pick up all this oil or junk or crud and you pour it in liquid as well and it all intermingles amongst the jello and as it solidifies it's in and among at every molecule and as you pick the jello up it's all over in there it's not just an object it's throughout the whole of it man how do I get this out it's going to take a miracle yes like transformation true transformation is going to take a divine miracle. Not just me looking at some item that needs to go and trying to cut it out of my life and flick it away. That's behavior modification. That's not getting it done. That's not getting, everybody just say, that's not getting it done. It's not getting it done, man. We are looking for a divine miracle as God reaches into our soul and takes the sin that is so pervasive and begins to heal and remove and restore. Praise be to God. Okay, that's where we're headed. True God-honoring transformation, and it takes his work. 
So uh, how do we go after that? What does that look like? So uh, do me a favor, turn in your uh, books to page 18. You should have these books, right? We're going to go through the sermon uh, today with the outline, and so that's page 18 in your books. Grab that, and then turn with me, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We've got the ushers coming forward. Uh, this will be the last week that I'll say this. We actually have the Bibles at the back as you're coming in now on racks, right? So hopefully you knew that, you saw that, you were able to get a Bible. But in case you did miss that on the rack, uh, we do have ushers with a Bible. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand and they'll get one to you, all right? We'd love to get a Bible to you. We are going to be walking verse by verse through these sections, all right? So in uh, upcoming weeks, just make sure as you're walking in, if you do need a Bible, we'll have them right there for you. We put a couple hundred Bibles at the doors. We would love to make sure everybody has one as we're walking through it. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 16. First point, if we're going after it, we must bask in the glory of the Holy Spirit to experience true heart transformation. We must bask in the glory of the Holy Spirit to experience true heart transformation. And uh, he starts out in verse 16 here. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. The veil is removed. Now, to understand this, we're going to have to understand a little bit of the context, the history of what he's talking about. And so he's referring back to Moses in Exodus when he's going up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. And as he's meeting with the Almighty God of the universe, God's glory pouring on him, it literally begins to sort of change his body. He starts beaming back this glory off of his own flesh. It's so bright that in fact the people can't look at it. He puts a veil around his face to block the glory coming off of him towards them. The glory of God beaming off of him was so bright he put a veil up. So that's what Paul, as he's writing here, is alluding to. The veil that was blocking the glory that was on Moses. Now look what he says again in verse 16. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. He's like, I'm just telling you this. There's a veil blocking the glory of God. And, and when one turns to the Lord, everybody say that means saved. When one turns to the Lord, saved, all of a sudden there's this veil torn off. The glory of God starts pouring on. There's change that starts taking place in our lives. God is doing something as he reveals himself. When we're saved, God starts doing something right away. And it says, uh, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. And uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And here, very specifically, when he's speaking of the Lord or God, he's saying, the Holy Spirit, that's what I'm talking about. Third person of the Trinity right now. Paul's getting very clear as to which person of the Godhead takes a role in our transformation. The Holy Spirit. Everybody just say, it's the Holy Spirit. And uh, by the way, not it, he. Right? The person of the Holy Spirit God himself and uh, God the Holy Spirit. Now the Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, right? And, uh, and we as human beings long for freedom. We just do. We, we are built for it. We cry out for it. The problem is we often don't understand it. This United States is built on a sort of freedom and uh, we do long for it. It's like the the Mel Gibson movie at the very end where he cries out, freedom! 
That's the best Scottish accent I got, right? And that, that's it. He's crying out freedom. Why is he saying? That's what it's all about, man. He was wrestling for it there. And we are wrestling for a spiritual freedom. And I'm telling you, while it seems free to be able to do whatever I want, that's not the freedom God's talking about. He's talking about a freedom that allows you to worship your God with nothing encumbering or hindering. A freedom that puts you exactly where you've been designed to be for all of eternity. A freedom to express and experience God with nothing hindering. That's the freedom we're talking about. Not a freedom to be me no matter what the cost, but a freedom that God might be glorified no matter what the cost. And uh, Freedom. And, uh, it says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, and we all, this is all the saved, right? And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. Beholding the glory of the Lord. What does the word behold mean? It means to look on, to reflect on, to stand in the presence of. This veil removed, the glory pouring on. You are literally beholding the glory the greatness, the character, the awesomeness of your God. And as we begin to see him clearer and clearer, his glory gets hotter and hotter and changes us more and more. Beholding his glory, the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image. We are being transformed. Notice it's an ongoing process and the work is being done in our lives we are being transformed. Uh, when it says beholding his glory, this is a lot like uh, when you go down to the Caribbean in August. Have you ever done that? Yeah, we've actually, I've done that and it, it's hot. Really hot. Like when you're in the sun, in the blazing heat, in that time of year, it like almost stings and hurts when the sun hits your skin. So bright, so hot. Like that kind of beholding his glory. When you are in the presence of the glory of God, you will know. And I'm just telling you, all too often we put on too much sunscreen, too much glory screen, too much blocking of God. And that we get ourselves in it, and we get our sin in it, and we begin to quench the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.30, quench, what does that mean? It means like pour water on, reduce the intensity of and the heat of Literally, God's glory can be held back, and uh, we can put on too much glory screen. It's too much self, right? And it says, behold his glory. It's like standing out in the sun, basking in the greatness and the glory of God. Nothing encumbering, pouring on. It literally begins to transform you. This word transform, it's a very specific word. In the Greek, it's metamorphoso. Do you hear it? Metamorphosis, right? Metamorphoso. It really speaks to a changing of the actual makeup, changing of the inside. Metamorphoso. That's what transformed is. God does a work that changes your heart, okay? Now, all too often when we get after change, and man, I'll, I'll just be real here as we talk as parents, right? When we call to our kids for action, the first things we do is we call for their behavior shift, Right? We start defining what they should do differently. And uh, those things aren't wrong. It's not wrong to see it affect our behaviors. But if all we affect is the behavior, we aren't getting done the transforming, the metamorphoso. 
okay? There's a different word in scripture for just shaping the outside. That word is conform, right? And it, conforming happens. If you change the inside, the outside gets changed. But the, the outside change, the conforming, that word is the word metaschemato. It's a very different word. And he's not saying God comes in and just shapes your outside. He's not saying that. It's not metaschemato, just change the outside. It's changing the whole of what's inside, shaping your heart, changing your values. When your heart is changed, here's the deal now, you will begin to value what God values. You will have the perspective that God has. You will discern as he discerns. You will wish as he wishes. You will long as he longs. You will move as he moves. That's your heart being shaped and conformed. Praise be to God. And uh, as we take on this opportunity of transformation, it says uh, that we are being transformed into the same image. Did you know that? God's literally heading all of us for looking like Christ. We are all to be little Christs running around. Not that we don't have a unique personality and gift set, but that our expressions are all so like God. They so value what God values. And literally, you are becoming like Christ. You don't just behave like him. You are becoming like him. You value like him. You think like him. You discern like him. You long like him transforming you, not just conforming you. And notice it says, from one degree of glory to another. Man, there's a lot of relief in that phrase. And a lot of us wrestle with sin and struggle. And a lot of us wrestle with, how come I'm still struggling with? And we have a list of things. And just hear me now, God changes us one degree at a time. He's working on one piece, one area, one revealing, and as he's sharing in and his glory is pouring on and your will comes in and aligns with, and there's a change that starts happening as God does a work, and then he moves to the next. It's not, I was uh, completely sinful, now I'm completely perfect. And everybody say it's not that. That's not what we're going for. I'm just telling you, there are theologies out there that say like you struggle wrong for a while and all of a sudden, boom, everything changes and I'm perfect. And it's not that. It says one degree of glory at a time. And that's what we're praying for. Lord, show me now what you want revealed in me, what needs to go. And all of God's people said, so that's transformation. Is Lord, where are you working? And one degree of glory at a time, I'm willing to see it go. It says, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit, it is the Holy Spirit who does the change. It is the Holy Spirit. It is who? And it is not you. You are not forcing it and making it happen. You cooperate, we'll talk about that in just a second, it's coming up a little bit. But it is him that does the transforming work. It's a miracle work as he pulls the sin that is so pervasive throughout you and pulls it out and heals up whole quadrants of your soul. God doing a work, the Holy Spirit healing you as he does a metamorphoso, a changing of the inside out. I thought, what better way to illustrate it than, uh, than with a Nerf ball, Right? And uh, see, all too often we think of change like, I'm going to change the shape of me. 
And then we like muscle it all in. We're like, oh, I got it. I'm going to get this. Right? Isn't this what we do? And we're like, I got it. Changed. I've got it. Right? And we go on for weeks this way. Seven, eight weeks, nine weeks. Ah, i got to let go a little. And it all goes back to the same thing. See, that's called trying to conform the outside. And all of a sudden, we just look like we looked seven weeks ago, but with a lot of frustrating effort in between. And the this is often what we go after in our lives. Why? Because it seems easiest and it keeps us in control. Right? I will fix me. And uh, there's a pride element in that. No, the Holy Spirit will. And so how do I go about being able to just hold up the whole of it and say, Lord, your work and what needs to be done? Man, done with this game. And you know it. You can feel it when you're doing this. Like there's a thing inside of you that isn't comfortable and you're feeling yourself flexed all over on it and you're going to hold on and like you're gritting your teeth. You can feel when you are trying to make yourself change. And while it has shaped the outside, metaschemato, for just a moment, it hasn't changed the consistency at all. And as you release, it just goes back. Metamorphoso is what we're going for. And all of God's people said, so simple question. Man, are you gripping down tight and trying to make it happen yourself? Or are you letting God do the work? Are you ready to let God do the work? And it is time for the Holy Spirit to do an amazing miracle work in our lives. Are you ready? Really think it through. See, it's easy when you're sitting here to just kind of go, oh, it's warm, I'm comfortable, at least I'm not outside. And we miss the moment. This is a moment between you and God. Are you ready to say, Lord, in 2016, I'm ready to be done fighting this thing. And I'm ready to hand this over to you and see you do a work in me. I'm ready to see your Holy Spirit shape me like I've never seen before. I'm ready. Are you ready? Okay, now real question. Are you ready? Let's just say it together. I'm ready. I'm ready. Lord, we're ready to hand ourselves to you. Teach us what you'd have us to know. That is 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And it gives us an insight that it's the power of the Holy Spirit and it's one degree at a time. Now let's look at some of the process. Turn with me, if you will, to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 12. We're going to talk about three steps along the way here to transformation. Three things where we can help along the way, where we can assist God in participating with him, and then where we can get out of the way, quite frankly. All right? And so here we go. We'll start with the first point here of it, point number two. Engage. True growth requires our worshipful cooperation. Engage. True growth requires our worshipful cooperation. This, in fact, is where most of us usually start when it comes to change. I'll do this, right? And so we'll talk about it. We do have a role, but we want to be careful with it. So let's just start out. Verse 12. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Okay, verse 12. 
starts out, therefore. And when we see the therefore, we say, right, what's the therefore? Therefore. It's a question about the purpose of this connecting word. It's a connecting word that looks backward and says, this is so awesome that here's something we're called to. And what's so awesome? Well, if you look back into mid-chapter 2 there, starting like verse 6, it says, who, speaking of Jesus Christ, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus Christ, the God of the universe, absolute perfection, clothed himself with humanity, humbled himself, and stepped down to you and to me. Went to the cross, went to death that was unwarranted for you and for me. Him for me is our gospel hope. It says, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father and all of God's people said and I'm telling you at the name of Jesus at the name of who and don't go light on that America wants to be able to say Jesus what a weak name like, let's, let's make little of him. And what a mockery. And I'm just telling you this. Name given above every other name. And at that name, all should bow, it says, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, that he might get the greater glory. Look, it says, to the glory of God the Father. Purpose statement. Jesus Christ came not for the comfort of you and me. He does love us. And he is reaching in and looking to shift and change things for us for all eternity. But hear me, the end point is not our comfort. The end point is the glory of the Father. God has an amazing plan. And Christ is at the center, man. We're not just going deep. We're going, we're going gospel deep. This whole thing is about the gospel of Jesus Christ and our hope in him. And he is so awesome. We have everything because of him. We have nothing without him. Verse 12, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He's like, look, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. Okay, as parents, we know what we're talking about here, right? Like you're in the room, and everybody's obedient. And you step out of the room, and 19 things got broken. And you step back in the room, and everybody's obedient. What's going on? There must be a giant windstorm going on, and, because everybody's obedient. And Paul's like, look, I'm not ridiculous I know what's happening and there's times where I'm not there and I'm not laying in especially now right he's writing from prison and so Paul is absent and he's like don't let it slip you've been running hard with Christ this is actually a high encouragement you have been so awesome in your walk with God I love the obedience you have had for him and now much more in my absence keep that up Remember what Christ has done for you. Now pour it on for him. Are you feeling the grip down on it? You feeling it? There's sort of this call to hold on tight. And unfortunately in the church, this may be the only message that ever really gets taught. 
And we got to be careful. This is not where it stops. And uh, so his statement, he says, man, yes, continue to be obedient and to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Hang on. Did he just say that I have to work out my salvation? And what does he mean by that phrase? And is he saying that I can't be saved unless I work? And what? Let's just say it this way. A faith that truly saves is a faith that truly changes you. Okay? A faith that truly saves you is a faith that truly changes you. There will be fruit if God is at work. There will be. Okay? And so we have to be very cautious with how we read this. But I will say this. There is a, um, well, I'll say it this way. The New Living, the NLT, it, it phrases it this way. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. I appreciate that translation. They are trying to resolve and harmonize the fact that we know that you can only be saved by believing that he has risen from the dead and confess him as Lord. They're trying to harmonize, and I appreciate that. But I just want you to know that's not what it says. It says work it out. Okay? And he's calling for something here. There's a contradiction almost, it seems, right? And we have to let this tension live and breathe. It's this. Man, don't kid yourself. Salvation truly does start shaping you. And the veil is torn off and the glory of the Spirit pours on. And there is transformation, one degree of glory at a time. A faith that saves you is a faith that does change you. And so, yes, as we continue to work this out and cooperate with him, God continues to work it out. Notice what it says, though. In fear and trembling. In fear and trembling. Why am I afraid? Why am I afraid? Why in fear and trembling? We're grasping the greatness of God in the midst of it. And in fact, the next verse actually shows us a little bit more of the how and the why. So let's just deal with point three as well together. Point two was engage. The growth requires worshipful cooperation. Point three, exalt. True growth requires God's power unleashed upon our heart. And don't kid yourself. It's not just you engaging. Look what he says now. Work out your salvation, my effort, my cooperation. Now look at verse 13. For it is God, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Are you hearing it? For it is God who works in you both to will and to work of his good pleasure. So this third point, exalt. The true growth requires God's power unleashed upon your heart. It is God working in you both to will and to work. Why be afraid? Why fear? He's saying this, humble yourself, man, because every moment you desire to take the right step, it was God changing that in you. Do you get that? For it is God working in you both to will and to work. Let that sentence settle. It is God working in you both to will and to work. He's helping you value He's shaping your heart so you see it. He's changing you so you want it. John 6 would say he's drawing you. He's teaching you that you might understand. God's doing a healing work in you and at the same time calling you to cooperate in the midst of that work. This passage, this verse here, 12 and 13, so powerful, so life-changing. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work. Man, step it up and cooperate. God's the one who's placing it in your heart. Why be fearful and trembling? 
because it is God who's the author and the starter. He's pouring it in and shaping my heart. Now I respond with this inclined heart towards him, and I start making some cooperative effort. And my working, my fruit coming out, it's revealing the salvation that has occurred in me, but it's also heading me more towards him. I'm telling you, God's got the whole plan worked out. He's reaching into your soul. He is sovereignly in charge. He loves you deeply. He's implanting in you the passion to will and to work. And he's healing your heart enough to get it and go after that. Now run. Take that passion and take that step. And as you do, the glory of God boring onto you, basking in his glory as you just hear from him and celebrate him. And he reveals more of him and he heals more of you. And the revealing and the healing cooperate together for you to now take the next step. And we call that the sanctification process. And unfortunately, too many of us have heard the word sanctification and we think of squeeze the Nerf ball. But what sanctification is, is God shapes my heart. And as I cooperatively take the step, he begins to pour on more glory and shapes more of my heart. And I take the next step and it's one degree of glory at a time and all of God's people said and that's life change and you're seeing your effort engaging and you're seeing his power pouring in and shaping your soul as you're exalting and uh, so huge it actually says here as we continue on um, that we should work out our own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God literally saying for his good pleasure. Now, please don't miss that. All too often we're like, Jesus is changing me for my good pleasure. Right? One word change and we missed the whole thing. Uh, everybody say it's not for my good pleasure. <laughs> did, did that hurt to say? Right? Because we live life and we're like, it so is. It so is for my good pleasure. That's what I'm living for. That's every day of my life, my good pleasure. Thank you. And uh, no, for his good pleasure. It changes our view on suffering. It changes our view on situations. It changes our view on circumstances. And hang on, we're going to talk about that in a second. And God's got a huge work in it. Man, I'm telling you, exalting, it's a huge deal. And uh, so I just thought maybe the best understanding of this is to get some pictures in play. So uh, let's look at the first picture of exalting. Here's an example of exalt, okay? This is the first posture that we need to go after in our exalting, all right? And it looks like this. It's you reaching out to him. And notice this picture was specifically chosen because they're reaching out into this unbelievable brightness and greatness of the glory of God. You see it? They're reaching up into the grandeur of God. They're stunned with who he is. It's not. We're reaching up to him and we're like, I have to go buy bread at the store in a little bit. And, uh, oh, I forgot to put this in the kids' backpacks today. Oh, and, uh, right? How often we get distracted and our worship becomes a running of the mind while we should be focusing on him. And the posture really is, Lord, with all I've got, I'm giving all of me to you. Are you hearing it? All of me to you. 
and I'm receiving all of you. My job as I posture this way, reaching high to you, is make much of him. Just say it, make much of him. That's the first posture, man. You want a posture of exaltation? Make much of him. Thinking of his glory, thinking of his greatness, going to him. Why do we raise hands during the song? We are making much of him. And I'm telling you, your body posture says where your worship's at. And it's not fun to hear, but it's true. And uh, the more that we try to take our body posture down, the more we're even, I'm just going to go to this, ready? The more we're so aware of me that we can't give him what he deserves, we start stealing away some of the worship and we literally are crimping what God can be doing in our lives. It's a missed opportunity, man. I'm not just talking in public settings. I'm talking in private settings. I'm talking anywhere you with your God. Is it so about what do I look like? What does it feel like? You're missing the point. That's for my good pleasure. This is for his good pleasure. All of you for him. Hand it to him with all you've got. And all of God's people said, just telling you, man, big. In your posture being this way, at some point during your prayer time, man, when you have prayer time in the morning and you wake up, even if it's 30 seconds, it's, Lord, you are unbelievable and review his greatness. You are the God who pours your glory on. You humbled yourself. You became a man. I had no hope without you. I have all hope with you. You are the king of the universe. Your name is Jesus Christ. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, I'm with you. And uh, that was powerful 30 seconds, man. It'll change your life. Just take some time and get that posture in play. Put your body in worship and put your mind, and I would even rec recommend put your lips in worship. When you say it, you won't get distracted with the shopping list. You start talking and you start focusing. Go this way. And then the second posture. Let's throw this up. The second posture. And, uh, we've done the make much of him. And now it's time to make little of me. And we go down. And I'm not just talking down, I'm talking down. And a prostrate position says a ton as you literally go all the way down. And before your God, Lord, I'm so sorry. I know it's been about me way too much. Please forgive me. None of me, all of you. I'm done. Please forgive me. I'm just telling you. Prostrate position. And humble prayer. Major confession. And some quiet will rock your world. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work of his good pleasure. Give him the chance to work. Let his glory pour on you as you reach out to him with all you've got, as you strip you of all your fighting and you lay it down before him. That's a position of exaltation, all right? And uh, so I just want to say this. How, how do I go about having the right heart in the midst of that? I just wrote this down. Three ingredients to allow God to work in me. Three ingredients to allow God to work in me. 
Number one, behold. Behold. Recognize and praise him. Man, just grasp how awesome he is. Say it out loud. Say it strong. Say it with whatever it is that God is awesome about. Whether it be his creation, his, his uh, sovereignty, his authority, his ability, his love, his passion, whatever it is. Just get on it and recognize it. Behold. And number two, be still. Behold as this posture up in the air. Be still. It literally means drop your arms. It means stop fighting. Psalms 46. Stop fighting. Be still before the Lord. Take that season of quiet where you're not wrestling and demanding and wanting and wishing and willing and hoping and you're coming to him to see if he changes it and Lord, whatever you do, you're in charge. Be still. So behold, be still and then be filled. Be filled. And this is where you're literally saying, Lord, I'm ready. I confess what needs to go. On your knees, prostrate out. Please forgive me. Please hear me. It doesn't matter that you're on your knees or not when you say, please forgive me. But I'm telling you, when you're on your knees, you'll be amazed how much more you are humble. What you do with your posture does affect your mindset. And, you know, they talk about reading somebody's body language, right? And you're chit-chatting with them and they're like, right? And you're like, I don't think they're really receiving this, right? Body language says a lot. And how do you look in your reception of Jesus Christ? and the glory of the Holy Spirit. What's your body posture? Are you receiving from him? Or are you holding back? Okay? Behold, be still, be filled. We're going to walk through these in detail over the upcoming weeks. And I'm excited about it. We're going to walk through these passages and learn to engage and learn to exalt. And uh, simple question, what's your posture of worship? What's your posture of worship? Man, we all got to work on it. I'm working on mine. And I, which of the two postures do you need to work on more? Are you big at the hand-raising, celebrating God's greatness, but you're poor at getting on your knees and recognizing where you're wrong? Or are you the person who devastates yourself before God? Man, you know you're horrible. You're on your knees all the time. But you really are forgetting how awesome God is and how loving he is, how powerful he is, and he's coming alongside of you. And let's get both facets of that. That puts us in the glory of God in a huge way. Okay? big deal. And, uh, engage, exalt, and now the last one, encounter. True growth is directed by the revealing of God in his word. Encounter. True growth is directed by the revealing of God in his word. He starts out here. Remember, it's not for my good pleasure. It's for his good pleasure, right? That's how this ended. Now we end up with the next verse. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. And uh, we're quick to say, right, do most things without grumbling or disputing, right? And uh, some of us are like, do one thing without grumbling or disputing. And, right, what does the word mean, grumbling and disputing? You know what it is. It's when we're standing there and we're being able to describe the circumstances and describe the people in the circumstances and list out all the ways they're wrong but we're not willing at all to be a part of the solution, see ourselves as wrong, and get this thing fixed. We're not stepping in and saying, Lord, this is the circumstance you've delivered me to. I'm ready to be a part of the solution. I will love on those who need to be loved. 
I will apologize where I need to apologize. I will help where I need to help. This thing will get resolved. No, instead we're like, can you believe them? What is with that guy? And I can't believe they didn't think. How could they not see the... And we're experts at it. Just remember, we looked at it in the heart section, grumbling and complaining. It's actually a breeding out of the heart of despair. We're putting in question the love of God. Why would he place me in this circumstance? Well, remember, it's not for my good pleasure. It's for his good pleasure. Man, when we start getting the right view of suffering and the right view of circumstance, all of a sudden, questions and statements about grumbling, complaining, and handling things prayerfully and being confessed, it makes a lot more sense. God's pouring on his glory, and he wants it so little about us and so much about him, or we're veiling some of who he is. We're quenching some of who he is. No grumbling, no complaining. Let God do an amazing work. And all of God's people said... Not a very spontaneous amen there, right? And some of you are like, fine, I'll say it now, but I'm not going to say it when I get home. And, and uh, Do all things without grumbling. Lord, help us see what we need to do. That you may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Please hear me. Paul is definitely overstating a case. There are multiple things we need to work on in life, but if you can manage your grumbling, you have gotten to the core of your soul. Are you hearing me? If you are actually able to see God work in your grumbling and complaining, he has affected the heart because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And uh, grumbling is the mouth spewing where the heart's at. Are you hearing me? And he's like, just so you know, you would be amazingly pure, innocent, blameless, children of God, without blemish, heart transformed in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Look at the difference Crooked and twisted, messed up, don't know where they're headed. That's where this world's at. Pure, blameless, without blemish, innocent. That's where we can be in our God. Are you ready to see God do a healing work in you? Please, don't fake the blameless. No more Nerf ball plan, man. Every time we hear this stuff, we're like, all right, I'm going to so hold back my tongue. And uh, just so you know, Grumbling doesn't necessarily mean it hit the lips, right? We can actually have our lips pursed tight as we're like, and inside we're like, can't believe it! What's the matter with them? And be careful, it's a position of the heart, right? Let's be super cautious to where we're at. And uh, I would say it this way. How in the world could he say innocent and blameless and pure? Here's how. Because it's not just what we do, but how we do it that matters. It's not just what we do, but how we do it that matters. What's our heart and soul in the midst of it? It's not just a behavior. It's the heart behind it. It's not just what we do, but how we do it that matters. And uh, notice what his end goal here is. He says, um, among you, that you might shine as lights in this world. That you might shine as lights in this world. His goal is for you to be transformed by the glory of God. That you might be a beacon on a hillside in this dark, crooked, twisted world. They might see you having something they don't have. They don't get it. They don't understand it. And they're excited about going after it. They start getting called to what you're called to. And you introduce them to the name of Jesus that is above every name. And their life is changed for eternity. You can be that light. And I'm just telling you, you might be at work 
or at home or with friends. You might be in this church. And if you choose to use the language of grumbling, you are using the language of the crooked and twisted world. It's time to use the language of our almighty God. Pure, innocent, blameless. God, you've got a circumstance you're placing me in and I'm willing to be here. What do you want done? Okay? And uh, how in the world do we do this? He gives us an ING and this is a huge deal. He tells us how we know what to go after and how we know to process it. Holding fast the word of life. So that's where it's at, man. It's all in the word of life. This Bible that we have from beginning to end, cover to cover, it's speaking of the scripture. Hold fast. You know what that word means? Cling to. Like your life depends on it. Hold fast. Right? Hold, not, not have it on the bookshelf, the word of life. Right? Hold fast the word of life. What does God have to say in it? Depend upon his input from it. Cling to it. God revealing in your life, not just the whole of scripture, but also the gospel of scripture, the good news of Jesus Christ. Man, we're not just going deep, we're going hold fast the word of life, the whole of who Jesus Christ is, the power of the glory of the Holy Spirit, the call of transformation in this dark world that others might be drawn to him for his good pleasure. Now we've got it all down. God's doing the work. His word is where it's at. Encounter the almighty God as you pour into his word, hold on to his word. And look what it says. So that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain and labor in vain. I love that Paul is human. He's like, please tell me I didn't waste my time with you. That's what he's saying, right? He's like, please, I would love to get to the end and know there was some value in the hurt we all just went through. Man, hang on. May Christ be glorified. And quite frankly, it would put a little smile on my face to know this thing wasn't in vain. Right? That's where Paul's at. And I love his humanness in it. I'm not sure I would have totally put it in, but he's working with the Holy Spirit. God knows what's going on. Right? And he's like, please, for real, let's partner together and have value in this. May God get the glory. He says, even if I am poured out as a drink offering. And uh, Paul's like, I'm just telling you, there's been a lot of struggle. But I love what God's doing in your life. And man, I can say this about, that, about this church here. And there's a lot of struggle going on. But I love what God is doing. And I love the life change that's taking place. And I love the obedience that's coming across. And I love your passion for Christ. And my only request is continue the fervor all the more as God has poured into your soul this willing and working for his good pleasure. Cooperate and let it work itself out, pouring it out for Christ. May he get the glory in this body as we are transformed. And that's our battle cry. May he get the glory as we are transformed. And so let's just put it all together. All right? So let's flip to an image. <clears throat> We're going to throw it up. You've got this on the next page in your books. This is where we're headed. This triangle is it. We're going to break this down and work it through over the next few weeks. We're going to take the passages we just went through and make a big, deep mining process of it all. So take a look at the bottom left. Encounter. Really, that's where we're going to start. We're going to dig into his creation and into his word. We're going to dig in, man. 
We're going to learn much of who God is, right? That's how we walk our daily walk as we pour through Scripture in some kind of reading plan, whatever it is you have that you go through. If you're looking for a reading plan, there's one in this book, man. Follow with it. And we will take time to find him and meet him in his word and around you in creation as well. Encounter, encounter the amazing God in creation as he shows us all that he is with his handiwork and then also in his word. Man, may we be able to start putting nouns and adjectives to who God is and counter him. But that's not enough. See, a lot of us then, we just jump right across. We get a, a verb action statement like, go do this, right? Don't grumble. So we read it in the word, don't grumble. So the first thing we do is go to engage. I won't grumble, right? And so what have we really done? We're just going, don't grumble. Okay. Not grumbling. I've got it. And uh, just so you know, that never gets it done. Do not move from encounter to engage. That's not the plan. Everybody say, that's not the plan. Go up to exalt. After we have met who God is in his greatness and his character, we just hold ourselves out before him and we simply say this, you are awesome, but I am not. And I'm holding the whole of me up before him. And whatever he needs to do, he needs to do. And I'm worshiping him and I'm exalting him. You are great. I, this is who I just met in the word. Man, repeat back the words of who God is in the scripture you just went through. You just came down to this earth. You just humbled yourself and became a man. You just gave me the Holy Spirit to transform me one degree at a time. Just be an expert of the passage you just read and quoting it back to him and thanking him for who he is and praising him for who he is. And then go to the posture of Dropping your hands and stopping the fighting, be still. And then all the way down to your knees as you worship him by giving up self. And I'm done. Lord, what do you need to do? This is exalting. As you take your time before your God. Please hear me. Let's just stop wasting our time with behavior modification. Can we just do that? I'm so done with the fake it plan. Like, I hate fake church. Do you hate fake church? Can we just hate fake church? That's cool, right? It's cool we can say that. The word hate and church in the same sentence. That's cool, right? We're going to hate fake church. We're not going there. It's just so not it, man. It's not who God is. And let's make much of him as we exalt him. Give all of you up to him. Worship his awesomeness and dump you before him, confessing it. May God reveal what he needs to reveal. Time for me to change. And then, after we've worshipped, God working in you, both to will and to work of his good pleasure, that's what happens in the exalt phase, now we step out to engage, cooperating. Work it out in fear and trembling. Okay? That's how this whole thing works together. Time in his word, full-out exaltation worship, God changing me. Step out in cooperation with that worship and God will rock your world. That's where it's at. All too often we run from encounter to engage. We'll call that muscling it, nerf balling it, if you want to call it that. Right? No more of that plan. Up to worship. Big worship of him. Nothing of me. Confess it and get rid of it. May God get all the glory. That is transformation. And all of God's people said, let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, Lord, we worship you.
barely understand what it means. At times, we're so caught up in self. Please forgive us. Lord, may you get the glory in this room as we begin to hear from you. It's all about your Holy Spirit pouring on us. And Lord, right now, we want to just come before you and worship you. And let's just take a moment, just like we do in communion, just thank him and worship him. Do you notice the similarity in what we've been doing in communion where we thank him and praise him? You are awesome, God. You have a plan. You have torn the veil back. You are pouring on your glory. You are restoring me one degree at a time. I praise your name. Just worship your God right where you are. Give it to him. Thank him and praise him. I'm going to ask you to go one step further. Time to make body position match it. So let's just stand up where you are. Everybody's eyes closed. Worshiping your God. Here's my request. Body position. Reach out to him with all you've got. Just reach up to him with all you've got. And praise and thank him for who he is right where you are. Hold nothing back, man. This is your God you're worshiping. Make much of his name. Lord God, hear our cries as you are great. And we worship you. All for your good pleasure. All for you. he get the glory now right where you are I know it's a little hard to kneel if you can't kneel I'm great with that but just bringing your hands down beside you to receive if you're in front and you want to kneel I'm great with that may God get it all just hand it to him and confess whatever needs to go whatever needs to go Hold on. Let's be done. The Holy Spirit, who is the Lord, will pour his glory on you. And beholding his glory, you will be transformed one degree of glory at a time. It is all about the Holy Spirit. May we not quench you, Lord. May we hear from you, Holy Spirit. Just cry out for the Holy Spirit to move in your life right where you are.